And we are live. We live. We live. We live. All right. So episode 15 with Mayfit Megan Bryant, former intern at HPC slash Next Level Fit and now graduate assistant and strength coach with Youngstown State and hockey team. So, what is your, Good job learning the name of the hockey team, Anthony. <laughs> I've seen it before. Glad, glad you it's in Pittsburgh. On your guest. <laughs> That's for you to to like divulge. That's not no. Don't 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 even get at me. I'm gonna sit here and eat my apple while you talk. All right. <laughs> I gotta mute myself though. Yes, May. May is back. I'm so excited because, like like you said, it was one of my former interns. Um, May was one of the interns that we had back at HPC that surprised us. And not in a bad way, but really surprised us because she came in and we was, you know, most of the time when we're doing these internships and we're gathering people, uh, they're like, I want to be a strength conditioning coach. And she was like, I want to be an athletic trainer. And I was like, are you sure you're at the right place? She was like, yeah, I want to be well-rounded. I want to be an athletic trainer. I want to know both sides. And I, and I commend that because being a former collegiate strength and conditioning coach, there are a lot of times, and you can go to some colleges that athletic trainers and strength and conditioning coaches bump heads a lot. And when you have a staff that works together, it makes it so much better. When you have athletic trainers that understand what strength and conditioning coaches want to get done, when you have strength and conditioning coaches that have that want that understand what athletic trainers want to get done. So right now she's doing the best of both worlds, and who knows, she may be at a college one day and she's handling both. Because that is an option as well. Not sure if you really want to do that because usually that's like D2, D3, JUCOs and stuff like that. But, you know, that is an option. You do have you're, – you're well-rounded. You got your certification now. You're the strength and conditioning coach of a hockey team, something I didn't even coach you on because I've never even coached hockey. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that's, that was, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. Makes me proud. My children are growing up. <laughs> Well, I'm glad I kind of changed your outlook on athletic training a little, though, because that is a stigma that is definitely, it has been brought up to me several times. So off the bat, you get kind of like a bad rep as an athletic trainer if you go into a strength and conditioning gym and you try to help the kids. (laughs) They think you don't know anything about lifting or about programming, about form. So You've definitely made my life easier as far as therapeutic exercise realm of athletic training. I've definitely excelled in that more than my uh, fellow classmates. And that's, I give all the glory to High Performance Center and you. (laughs) (laughs) And you were barely around yet. (laughs) But yeah, what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> Golly, we told you to bring a list, and she didn't bring a list. All right, so yeah, all right, <laughs> all right, so no, 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 I'm just playing. All right, so let's let's kind of like let's talk about like your experiences since you left HPC. Um, you know, after graduation, getting into Youngstown State, and I remember it was to struggle. You was going back and forth trying to figure out if you was going to become a graduate assistant. So talk about that process. And then talk about the process of you at doing being an athletic trainer, what things you picked up on now, what you've learned, and how you became the strength and conditioning coach over all these guys that play hockey. Okay, so a lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> you asked me about three questions at once. We'll, we'll um, slowly roll through it. We'll just start. Let's start with <laughs> the process of you becoming an athletic trainer, uh, well, a graduate assistant athletic trainer with uh, Youngstown State. Okay, so basically, while you're in my program, you work internships as an athletic trainer. Um, They try to switch you out every semester, but especially because of COVID, I ended up spending pretty much a year at every rotation that I've had. So I started out with Youngstown State Football. I worked their summer camp and their whole season with them. Uh, We worked on the sidelines. I traveled with them. Um, I worked with and really actually appreciate Terry Grossetti, their strength coach. Um, 
he actually like I made sure I let him know of my experience and stuff and that um, I showed up in the gym a couple of times, talked to the guys about the programming, that sort of thing. Um, so right off the get, I wanted them, I wanted Youngstown and my program to know that like, this is a good positive evolution of the athletic training profession to have strength and conditioning as a background. And then after that, I went to Austintown Fitch High School. This is a huge, very well-funded high school. Um, I worked their football summer camp as well as their football season. They went undefeated during the season. Um, they got like fourth overall in the playoffs, I think. Um, that was an experience and a half. High school football is kind of intense, um, more intense than I thought it would be. And that was a little less of a, a positive experience in collaborating with their strength coach. Um, he kind of did not ask me about my experience, kind of doubted that I knew what I was doing. Um, but the kids didn't. The kids seemed to really take to my coaching well, really uh, took to wanting to learn form and technique and all that, John. So, <laughs> um, but we did butt heads a few times. The certified trainer there, though, she also lifts, is pretty well versed in strength and conditioning. So we kind of held our ground when he would come at us. I think a lot of his thing was that he came from a background that wasn't well versed in like injury prevention, um, doing the little things. He came from the, you know, lift heavy all the time, improve your performance type environment. So it was a struggle bus, but we got through that. I think I made my, my presence known and my knowledge known and my experience known. So. It ended up being a positive thing. I'm going back there actually to do research, which is in strength and conditioning. I don't think I told you guys this yet, but I'm doing a shoulder and scapular conditioning program with their quarterbacks to see how it improves their performance overall. Um, and it will ultimately decrease their chance of shoulder injuries, which are obviously common at the quarterback position. So I'm excited about that. It will hopefully be nationally published if I write it well enough. Um, and then I started in February with the Youngstown Phantoms. Anthony is the hockey team's name. They're United States Hockey League, so it's a junior league. They're uh, 16 to 21-year-olds. There's international athletes. I think we have, like, eight Canadians, two Japanese players, two Russians. Um, so I work with them as an athletic training student, and then I also do their strength and conditioning programming, they only train about two times a week, if that. So it's not anything intensive. I do a lot of their return to play stuff. So when they're coming back from injury, I'll kind of do their their hard conditioning to get them back into back into shape to skate. So that's been a unique experience because, like you said, that's something that uh, being in the South at Coastal and being with you guys, you didn't get a lot of hockey athletes. <laughs> Um, so that's no. something that I was not taught necessarily in, but it's still, you look at your education, you think, you know, this is the muscle group that they're using. Obviously a lot of lower extremity, but you don't want to work lower extremity to where they get bulky and heavy and sore all the time, just from working out. Um, their TFLs are just like atrocious. <laughs> they're the, glute knees, the, uh... they're just, for the people out there that don't know what that means, um, explain what TFL is. <laughs> TFL is the uh, muscle on your lateral side of your leg. So it's the uh, IT band. It connects into the IT band, inserts into your knee, that sort of thing. So you get a lot of, like, ho hockey players have a lot of hip issues, hip soreness, loss of mobility in the hip, that sort of thing. It ends up radiating down to their knees because it's all connected to that IT band. Make sense? Oh, absolutely. It makes sense to me. I'm just talking about the viewers. <laughs> See, this is where, okay, so this is where the, like we were saying, the athletic trainers and strength condition coaches don't get along. The smart comments is what, is what it's come from. <laughs> because I, I do commend athletic trainers. Uh, I mean, we all, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that strength coaches, you know, this, the term is dumb strength coach, you know, just a bunch of sets and reps. Uh, that was like the old stigma, but like I remember being in a time frame where like the athletic trainers used to try to say things over our heads 
like, hey, we were all in the same classes. We just changed directions towards the end. Like, we had the same anatomy classes together. We all started the same. But, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's more about the finish than because there yeah. are athletic trainers out there that, you know, we do all start the same, but athletic trainers will forget biomechanics. They'll forget, you know, basic anatomy in the way of compensations, that sort of thing. So you're right. It does depend on, it just depends on what you do with your education. If you just go through the motions and you don't see it through and you don't keep evolving and learning, then yeah, it's not no. gonna, it's not yeah. gonna change or improve the profession in any way. An athletic trainer. And I know I make the joke every once in a while because I wanted to be an athletic trainer at first, but athletic training is definitely more than just wrapping ankles. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah. what it's highlighted as, or water boys. You know, depending on how you look at it, they they do more than just give water to the players. And now Megan's been ankles. killing it on that, though. I mean, she's she is a boss. <laughs> I'm really like, good with the all of her photos are just her giving water. <laughs> <laughs> whenever whenever I ask for a photo, she goes, "Well, this is the only one I have that does. I don't have a mask on, so I think I look good." <laughs> Listen, COVID, you know. <laughs> but it's a serious thing. Um, <laughs> now I completely forgot what I was going to say because Anthony just unmuted his microphone and roasted me. Um, it wasn't even that bad. But anyway, yes, athletic training is definitely more than taping ankles. Um, that's a question I get a lot. People don't realize that you're kind of low-key a doctor <laughs> in the way that you I mean, obviously, Ooh. internal medicine, that Ooh. sort of thing. You're going to... AT equals MD now. <laughs> Listen. Right. Hey, there may be a doctor on here that may we, be sending you a we, message. We, uh, they do have... Yeah, they do. I, I, I think we, we, we might have to mute a couple people now. Um, we just went I into territory that strength coaches never that. go... Listen, though. Listen. Oh, she, writes, about she it, writes prescriptions now, too. As a first responder, <laughs> we are kind of like a doctor in that way. In we have to respond of, to yes. We have to respond to an injury, and within <laughs> fifteen minutes, we have to have some court, sort of clinical diagnosis, some sort of course of action yeah. with the athlete. Um, well, I will agree with that because yeah, y'all are definitely y'all are like the first first responders because a lot of times you do have actual first responders on campus if it is something severe. Um, but y'all are the first runners up, uh, when it comes to somebody going down, if you ever see somebody like if you watch, we got the Super Bowl going on on Sunday. If somebody goes down, the, the first people you see that go out there, athletic trainers and doctors, they're the first ones on the field. Yeah, exactly. I mean, EMS is there, but they don't come out until we assess the situation and we start to act. So we're still the first responders, even though EMS is there. Um, which is another way our profession is evolving because we're trying to kind of take the load off of EMS even more so, so that they're not just coming in and, you know, we're just in the way we want to actively be doing stuff with them and collaborating with them to, to give the best patient care. So that's another way our profession is evolving. And yeah, (laughs) that's what I meant by doctor. I mean, if you come in and you're like, May Bryant, MD, (laughs) all that junk. You know, that'll she's, take me a little more than 15 minutes to get. But. She's going to start uh, orthopedic surgery now. Ooh. Surgery? That's, a, that's another doctor that's on the sideline, too. <laughs> True. She's going she's gonna to get an honorary PhD. Oh, my gosh. They do have a doctor in athletic training now, though. No, one, so. no, no that's not what we're talking about. Uh, doctor, <laughs> Dr. Bryant. Oh, yeah, you're a doctor? No, I'm an athletic trainer. But I, okay, so <laughs> that's funny. But um, <laughs> but I mean, like, it is true though because um, I mean, and you're giving the highlight uh on athlete training because y'all, I mean, y'all role is very serious, and even, and I know y'all do rotations like when you're as a grad assistant, uh, you're doing rotations at the high schools. But what you start to see more and more is that the athletic trainer is not very not really there in the high school level or, you know, like they have multiple athletic trainers in the college and they have maybe one athletic trainer in the high school to cover all the sports. And if you got a, a team traveling, you got a team at home, you know, that obviously the athletic trainer has to stay home, but like 
how does that one athletic trainer is supposed to be responsible for so many athletes in a high school and to get everything done to assess everything and then we all made the joke when we was in high school it was like oh they just told us to put some uh some ice on it and that was it and you know they maybe wrapped their ankles maybe wrapped their or wrists hands and stuff like that so what do you think is like what what do you think needs to happen in the future as far as like keep expanding athletic training like i see all these advances going on with athletic training but i only see it like traveling through the collegiate and the pro level not so much as traveling down to the high school level yeah well i think high school a lot of the complication there is just strictly budget um there are high schools that are getting two athletic trainers but you really have to and this is where high school athletic training gets a shout out because you really have to be a minimalist athletic trainer you have to know what you're doing as if there wasn't, you know, cupping, dry needling, that sort of thing. You have to be able to manual therapy it, rehab it, um, you know, go back to the basics and still be a successful athletic trainer. And then you're dealing with kids on top of that, which is of its own thing. Um, but, I mean, the profession is kind of getting ridiculous. It's more than what I thought I was signing up for. Um, I did not think that... I would have to know how to do IVs. I did not think I'd have to know how to do stitches. I did not think I'd have to do like stop the bleed courses. I didn't think I'd have to know like return to play protocols, um, how to read imaging. I had no clue that that was just a normal everyday thing for an athletic trainer. And I think that's definitely something that came in the 21st century and yeah. just continues to build upon it. So I think it's, it's a lot of the networking thing. We want to, be able to do more without having to refer out. Um, and it's building credibility in the profession. So you can do X, Y, and Z. They're more likely to come to you if they roll their ankle instead of waiting until they go home and being like, hey, mom, I rolled my ankle. Let's go see my primary care physician. Um, it kind of builds that, that trust that we are healthcare professionals and that we can handle whatever you're, you're going through. Um, even, you know, we get psychosocial trained. So even you know, catastrophic mental injury or mental illnesses, that sort of thing, we can handle those too. Um, so it's just, it's becoming very all-encompassing. And that's why I made the comment about it being like a doctor, because it's definitely more than, you know, oh, we stretch people, we tape people, we give people ice. We have to know, you know, all these medical conditions, all these general medical conditions, all these, you know, skin conditions, um, all these mental conditions, all these eating disorders, we need to know what to do with them. And then on top of that, we need to know evidence-based practice. So we need to know like which modalities actually work, which settings work for which condition, um, when to use it, when it's, what it looks like when it's working, what it looks like when it's not working, that sort of thing. Um, you have to really navigate all of that. So it's kind of it's becoming overwhelming, but, <laughs> but that's, cool. and that's what I mean. Like with, when you say that it's come, become overwhelming is because like, there's just so much stuff and there's just so much uh, knowledge. And this is going to roll into my next question. I'm going to let you finish first, but like, there's just so much stuff that's coming out. That's trying to protect athletes and keep them in the game longer, uh, get them back faster that, y'all have so much on your plate now it used to be kind of like you did a little bit and then you moved them to a doctor or orthopedic or you know uh massage therapist whatever whatever else you can outsource but now it's almost like you pretty much have to analyze it fix it or not necessarily fix it but analyze it treat it and hope they and try not to get them to a doctor you're trying to stop the whole process altogether so even yeah. like even like you were talking about how <clears throat> there's one one athletic trainer most high schools. I mean, if we look at just what is defined by what a NSCA for us in a weight room, like we shouldn't have more than I want to say it's ten to twelve athletes per coach, just to be yeah. safe. I mean that's catastrophically thrown out the window when it comes to ATs. You know, mm -hmm. e even the moment you have one team, you're already past that limit. Just one. And that could be a basketball team. I mean, that could be, you know, a JV baseball team. And you're already probably twice the limit. So that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is you have two, three hundred athletes sometimes that you see 
you know, over the course of a year, but still you're dealing with what up to 40, 50 kids in a season. Easy. So yeah. the idea of the paperwork, that's the other backside I got, I, I got to see, which I do not ever want to be a part of again is all of the, I guess it's more on the collegiate level, but the insurance, like the actual mm-hmm. insurance coordination, the collection, the billing and, uh, the amount of scheduling you have to do in order to keep up with everything is completely daunting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what everybody says that when you've made it as an athletic trainer, 90% of your day is doing paperwork. Um, so, so I don't really look forward to that, but yeah, definitely at the collegiate level, they do a lot more insurance stuff. Um, at the high school level, you kind of have them fill out a form and their parents call and take care of it. And yeah, but at the college level, you're billing them for every treatment that you do. So if you cup a person, if you grasp in a person, you're sending a bill for that. So it gets pretty complex. Um, I've learned a lot about that through the Phantoms hockey team. So because working with them, you go with international insurance, too. So it's this whole that's probably like my least favorite thing about this profession <laughs> is the paperwork <laughs> and the insurance because it's like that stuff that's adulting to the max and now i don't only have to do it for myself because i'm about to get kicked off my parents insurance but now i have to do it for all the athletes that i take care of so it's like that's just that's oh uh, yeah it definitely is a lot of paperwork I, and I, not even just that like the whole the sitting down process of making sure every athlete that had just even a minor bump has to be on the injury report. I remember sitting down with the athletic trainers. And when I was a graduate assistant at Georgia Southern, I used to get, uh, I think it was like Mondays and Wednesdays. And then I actually had like a full report and I used to be sitting down with each athletic trainer that was in charge of whatever team I was working with. And we'll be sitting there going through it. And I'm like, are they good or not? Like, <laughs> because it gets, it, it gets really like, you know, very extensive as far as like all the details that goes into it. This person may have, you know, just got hit with a tennis ball and they're fine, but whatever this person, their shoulder came out during swim practice. This person, the hamstring is, is tight, but they should be fine. The, you know, and there's this person to jam the finger and, I'm like, a jam finger, really? That's not on an injury report. Like, that's ridiculous. But, like, but you still have to document it. Yeah, you still have to document everything. Because if they go and they break that finger next week, you know? <laughs> and I, I remember, I, used, I was like, okay. I was like, if it's serious, let me know. If it's not, I'll read it later. But, like, it is. It, it, and it really does come down to, like, like I was saying earlier, like, you really have to work with your athletic trainer. You have to build that relationship with your athletic trainer that way that you're not stepping on each other's toes. Like the one thing that um, I did say at Coastal at one point, we used to do a lot more prehab stuff uh, in the weight room. And I'm saying used to, because I don't know what they do now because I'm not a part of that staff anymore, but we did a lot of prehab stuff. But when I went to Georgia Southern, that was like a no, no, like with the athletic trainers, we did no prehab stuff. We didn't use the air X pads because we used to do like, say like with basketball, they'll be on one foot on the air X pad and they go down and touch the cones. And we're just doing it as a balanced, uh, balanced thing uh, for them to do, like, single leg work. And the athletic trainer was like, no, that's a part of our concussion test. So if we're constantly training them to be better at it regularly, when they get concussed, they were always going to pass a concussion test and they really want, you know, they really could be concussed at the time. And I'm like, what? But, I mean, like, but like I'm saying, but – that all that is communication. There's communication back and forth. Um, just making sure that you're working with the, the right people. And, you know, like, and I said concussion because that was one of the biggest things at Georgia Southern. It was all the research that they mostly did. I think um, uh, his name just left me. I can't remember. He left there and went to Delaware. But he used to be the head guy over the athletic training department. And their big thing, their research was – uh, concussions. That was their big research that they always worked on. So what is your, I mean, you, you mentioned research a second ago. So what, what is like y'all big research that y'all do at Youngstown State when it comes to athletic training? Or is are you not doing research at all and it's just with the strength conditioning staff? 
so, <clears throat> um, the program director before the one that we have now, she actually went to Alabama. But when I first enrolled here, she was big into concussion research, which is one of the reasons why I went here because my last year of coastal, I did uh, concussion research. So I enrolled here. She left. Now we do independent research. So for our capstone, we kind of get to pick and choose how we want to research what we want to research. So my one classmate is doing something on um, like the COVID's, the mental health of athletic training students throughout COVID, because obviously COVID adds even more stress to our lives as healthcare professionals, because now we not only have to wear masks and follow protocols and that kind of stuff, but uh, we have to contact trace the athletes, know how to quarantine them, all that junk. That's a different topic. But anyway, that's his research. It's a survey. Um, and then, like I said, I'm actually doing research uh, because of my strength and conditioning background and because of what I saw at Austintown Fitch. I wanted to do research on prehabilitation because there is evidence that it works and that it helps uh, not only improve performance, but prevent injuries reduce the risk of injury. So it's funny that you mentioned that they did prehab because that's what I'm trying to do with the quarterbacks at Fitch. Um, so there's not one big, you know, blanket research thing that Youngstown State is known for, uh, but they do have the funding and the resources that you can kind of do your own research. So I kind of took it and ran with it because you know, it's something at the high school level, they have not looked at prehab because the high school level is so new to strength and conditioning, having certified coaches there. Usually it's just some football coach, assistant coach, you know, whoever off the street, just, you know, having the kids bench press and squat. So I had the opportunity at Fish to work with the CSCS strength coach um, and see his program and see how he has a good foundation with it. But if he added prehab, it would lessen the stress on the athletes, you know, growing bodies essentially, and ultimately improve their performance earlier than when they get to college and their institutions that they go to at college are doing that sort of thing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what my research is on. <laughs> There's been a lot bigger wave of that too. There's been a lot more, I mean, even through social, like social media and stuff, you see a lot more prehab circuits, prehab yes. for, uh, rotator cuff for you know scapular health for knees ankles hips i mean anything and everything they've been developing something for each component yeah and you know oh go ahead no my bad i'm sorry and, and i was gonna say and uh for those people out there that don't necessarily know what prehab is but i mean honestly it's just a warm-up it's you know for um those little things that maybe you may see me doing a gym other people and Instagram has made it so easy. Now everybody's just like dropping hints. You got physical therapists dropping hints on different little things that you can do with a tennis ball or not with a tennis ball. You got athletic trainers on there. You posted something today that I didn't even think of. And I was like, man, I need this, you know, um, because I'm always looking for something to keep my body healthy as I'm aging. I mean, I'm not that old, but my body feels a little bit older than what it actually is. <laughs> when you constantly like run into a, another man over and over with playing football, your body ages a lot faster. Um, but um, just certain little things, like when it comes to weightlifting, like I have to keep my body solid. I have to eat there's uh, eat a certain way. I have to make sure I warm up a certain way. My workouts usually take about an hour to, or an hour and a half to two hours because the beginning I, it's like 30 minutes before I even actually touch a bar because I got to get foam rolled out. I got maybe I have to use a tennis ball that day, depending on what I'm doing. I have to get my shoulders loosened up. I have to do um, interior, exterior rotations. I have to do, you know, um, maybe like some I's, Y's, T's, W's, you know, all that type of stuff just to get my shoulders like moving, moving well. And then, you know, rotational work that I got to do, actual barbell then actually touch it with the barbell like there's a whole process that goes to it you can't just jump in and be like all right let's go like it's not always going to work that way some people are lucky that way i'm not one of the lucky ones though <laughs> yeah and i've definitely i mean when i first started at at high performance center and i first started actually lifting um i didn't have to warm up i didn't have to stretch after it was fine but now that i'm a little older <laughs> and 
probably a lot of it comes from lifting heavier now as well. Um, I find myself doing the same thing where I'm warming up for, you know, half an hour at least. And then before I even touch a weight. And then I've also found that I really enjoy supersetting with accessory stuff, prehab workouts, that sort of thing. Um, especially if I don't have time to work warm up. If I only have, you know, an hour, hour and a half, which happens a lot, I'll superset it so that I still get it in. Um, and I'm still like comfortable in my workout um, instead of just going yeah. in blind. But that's one thing at the high school that I will say is hard to implement, which is why I don't, I don't try to get on the strength coach at pitch that much anymore. At first I did, but now I'm like, you know what? I understand. Cause Anthony made that comment earlier that you guys only usually have 10 people per coach. He doesn't have that. He has like 30 kids in there at once. Um, and it's the same thing with the time he's programming and running kids through for every single sport. So, you know, they have to be in and out in 40 minutes. So they don't have the time to do that kind of dynamic band warm up that they should be doing. Right. Um, but that's another way that athletic trainers can kind of step in. And, you know, if they're, if they're doing bench press and they're like, Hey man, every time I bench press, you know, my bicep tendon gets sore, my arms sore. Like the next day I can't like raise my arm above my head, that sort of thing. Step in and be like, hey, here's some band work you can do before your coach starts leading you through the workout. Just go in 10 minutes early, do this. Give them a band, do it at home, that sort of thing. So that's where athletic trainers can kind of step up. And instead of, you know, just for lack of a better word, shitting on strength and conditioning coaches and being like, why aren't you doing this? They can kind of step up and be like, hey, I know – the strength and conditioning coach is a little overwhelmed, but here's a band. Here's what you can do. Um, here's when you can do it. And this is how it will help you. So that's another way that, and not all athletic trainers implement that because they look at it as rehab. They don't use the word prehab. Like I, the program director here, when I mentioned I was doing prehab research, she was like, that's not even a real word, but for me, it's a real word. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always been a real word. And if you say that, modern modern day athletic trainers or athletic trainers that continue to update their practice they know what prehab is mm. um and it's literally just rehab you do before you're injured um it's rehab that helps you prevent getting injured yeah so, you have your warm-up then you have your prehab and then you can do your workout and then you have your rehab <laughs> yes <laughs> pretty much and then you stretch um, <laughs> but so athletic trainers they know this stuff but they know it as rehab that you do when you're hurt. They know it as, oh, you have to monitor for pain, that sort of thing. They don't see that it could be strengthening and beneficial for, for high-performance athletes before they're injured. So that's another reason why I'm doing the research. Um, why I try to, you know, hockey guys, they'll be like, oh, my hip's feeling tight, my hip's feeling tight, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, here, take this band. Let's do some of this stuff. Let's, you know, and then I'll do the good stuff like, reflexive performance reset and stuff, but they have to earn it first with the prehab. <laughs> Do you ever, um, so I think, so when y'all are testing athletes before they get started and stuff like that, do y'all use FMS or do y'all use a different type of screening? What do y'all do as far as screening an athlete and understanding what imperfection or what, a, you know, what imbalances they do have? What do y'all use? We have, we don't really do just muscular imbalances, just like performance type stuff. We have our PPE pre-performance exam, which encompasses everything from health history to family history to, you know, the Snell and I scale, that sort of stuff. Um, and then they sprinkle in at the end, there's some agility, um, balance, coordination, that sort of thing, just to kind of get a baseline. Um, but it's very inaccurate this is something that i would like to see improve in the profession honestly because it's human scored um so the athletic trainer sits there and watches you know if it's a football team they watch 120 football players do a vertical jump test um or do like the i don't even know what it's called but they basically hop back and forth to see if they roll their ankle and you count how many times they can hop back and forth before they lose their balance that sort of thing um, so it's just unreliable and kind of outdated. 
So that's something that if strength and conditioning professionals would work together with athletic trainers, they would probably be able to develop something better to get a baseline fitness. Um, Right now, all I've seen with strength and conditioning professionals professionals that do baseline fitness is max tests. Um, I've never seen from my experiences any of them do like muscular imbalances or Let's see, I think that's like that, range that's of where, motion, like, the, that sort of the stuff. Two of us actually start getting away from now. Cause I know I have, I've, I think I've maxed out I don't know, a handful of athletes to start. And then I got away from it really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I still do max out to a certain degree. Um, but it's a, the it's hard a part is, yeah, I do like three and five rep maxes right now. I used to be, and I mean, you know, I was, tooth and nail like i will fight somebody on i wanted to see the pure max out and i wanted to do a one rep but when especially when it comes to high school i have learned that with these high school kids that they play so many different sports what is the point of actually trying to get a one rep max during a whatever you would think will be an in-between of a season for them to go right back into a preseason for another sport like I'm working with a basketball player right now that is really training for football, but he's in the middle of basketball season. So what am mm-hmm. I doing? I'm, so I'm doing an in-season training with him, but, you know, and we'll transition to like a postseason because I got to reset his body and then I got to re- get him back ready for football going into preseason. So it's like, it's really like really close to each other. Usually I would do, take like four, uh, four weeks for a reset, but honestly with it being February already, He's going to have spring ball in March or April because of COVID. They got their basketball season pushed back. So you got you got to quit. I may have like a one week or two week turnaround, and I got to get him right back into preseason, which I've yeah. missed all of that time that I would usually use to get him ready just for football only. So like right now, I'm just like we're just like picking weights and we're like looking at it and we're like, all right, how does this look? If it looks good, we're we're going to stay with this weight. If it looks bad, we're dropping the weight. And then that's kind of like how I'm eyeballing and I'm writing, you know, we're keeping track of numbers going through the whole process, but the whole, you know, mainly with him, his, his mobility, his mobility, is not the greatest. So we're working on his mobility. Um, it's getting better, but you know, it's still not, it's, he's still a high schooler. He's still trying to get used to the whole, like, Oh, I got to move this way or remembering what he did last week to do it again this week. <laughs> Yeah, that's another, that's another struggle. So, like, uh, so it's it's a whole process of doing stuff. So like, like, I'm really now that I'm working more with high schoolers versus working with the collegiate guys and stuff like that, um, or girls, I'm learning that I really is there's more of a breakdown that I have to do with the athletic uh, programs, um, and it's and it's not so much of trying to get a big time max. It's more about all right, how well can they move, how lean we can get them, you know. Um, how strong we can get them and then, you know, just keep them moving and be proficient at all sports because most of them are playing like three different sports right now. So what can we do to, you know, make sure that they stay active and they don't go down at any time? Yeah. Another thing with high school athletes is that their diet is always trash. (laughs) So, so that's another limitation. Yes. Um, they don't drink water. They drink Mountain Dew before they come work out. They slept for three hours last night and they played Xbox up until the minute that they went to sleep. It's those sorts of things that will really set back their performance. And you try to tell them, hey, man, the reason why you're not lifting, you know, 245 this week or whatever, it's because you literally all you ate today was Dunkin' Coffee and hash browns. Like, That's another thing. Like, dude, coffee... The coffee craze is crazy in high school now. You didn't touch coffee until we were like seniors. And not even then, it may not even be a full, like a real coffee. Maybe like freshmen and middle schoolers. Yeah, like it would be like a cappuccino from the gas station. Like it wasn't even a real coffee. <laughs> you know, like we just like, you know, it's close enough. That's what we're going to do. But like the whole, like, I don't know if y'all listen to the podcast. I am athlete with uh, Brandon Marshall and all them. I am so mad with Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, talking about all he ate was McDonald's and he never got hurt. So now there you got kids that are looking up to that. This guy played in the league 10 plus years and all he ate was mostly McDonald's. And they're that's like, the anomaly well, he built a- that they don't want right. to address. Genetics plays, genetic plays a role in that. How he played, 
let's be honest, Chad was a great athlete. Don't I mean not taking anything away from him. He he could be a Hall of Famer. I don't know if his troubles will take him out of that whole process. But like the fact that he trained a certain way, he was he didn't drink, he didn't do it. The only bad thing he did was eat McDonald's. So yes, his genetics played a part, a huge role in that. He can eat McDonald's, but you, my little, you know, ninth through twelfth grader, eating McDonald's for every meal is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, same with uh, we had a lot of you know meal replacement shake issues going on at the oh. high school. We tried to explain to them that that's not a a viable option when you probably burn about three thousand to five thousand calories a day. Like you can't replace meals with shakes unless they're you know ground up spaghetti and meatballs or something wild like that but these kids are drinking (laughs) these kids are drinking like whey concentrate with you know greek yogurt and they call it a meal replacement shake and it's like in what world (laughs) but that's i mean they get the carbs and the protein i love to eat so (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah and and uh the one thing that um that we work well with uh, Matt uh, with our nutrition stuff when it comes to our high school athletes as like, you know, teaching them how to eat. And then obviously if they're still not hitting their protein numbers, then we're like, all right, we got to add in a protein shake here or there. And it may only be just chocolate milk. But the biggest thing is making sure that they understand like a supplement is exactly what it's called a supplement. It's got to mm-hmm. supplement a diet. It cannot replace a diet. Now, I know there's all these different things that are popping out, you know, Arbonne and at one point it was Avocare and everything else. And they had all these meal replacement shakes. Meal replacement shakes are great if you're eating around those shakes. Yeah. If you're, if you're just like you said, uh, a shake and some yogurt. I mean, yes, you got your carbs, you got your protein, whatever. But that's not a meal replacement shake. That's not what you need to be drinking all day long because you really you're just going to gain weight. You're not going to do anything else. And it's not going to be healthy weight either. Yeah. And that's something that I tried to enforce because they hear, you know, you got to eat right. And they think you have to count calories or count macros or that sort of thing. And I don't do that um, unless I'm on a cut. Then I do count my macros and my calories. But that's different. Um, I don't do that on the daily. I try to encourage people to consciously eat. Mm -hmm. So just to like, oh, you know, I'm going to eat all my carbs in the morning so that I'm not eating, you know, heavy carbs at night. I'm going to eat protein all three meals of the day and it's going to be this protein. I'm going to take, you know, this supplement this time. I'm going to have this veggie, this fruit, like just being conscious about what you're eating. Packing lunch too is a big thing because they wait until they're starving and then they go out to Wendy's. So I'm like, you know, at midnight when you get ready to get on your Xbox, just make a peanut butter and jelly real fast, put an apple in there, put a protein bar in there and you're good to go. But it's like, been, that's definitely been a struggle as an athletic trainer, though, that I didn't think I'd have to face is like eating disorders and stuff like that, especially at the high school level, because they just don't nobody teaches them that. It used to, it used to be for kids. We just kind of just ate what we wanted to eat. I mean, I guess we were a little bit more active, not throwing shots, but I mean, just I think we were just a little bit more active. Um, and then now it is more conscious because I've seen people post about their kids you know, having abs and stuff like that. And that's great. And I'm not taking anything away from it, but I think a lot more people are a lot more conscious or they're a little too conscious of what their kids are eating. You know, let them be kids at the end of the day, but yes, be mindful of what they're eating. They don't need to be eating Go-Gurts all day um, or, you know, Tostito pizza rolls. I didn't really get that as a kid. That's why I point these little things out, but you know, Reese's puffs and everything else you can think of. uh, But those never struck uh, me as good. I don't know why. Yeah, sugary, sugary <laughs> cereal, and I, I, I get jokes all the time because I was like a kid that only got like Frosted Flakes or Honey Nut Cheerios as a kid. Oh, I take that back. Uh, Fruit Loops, Fruit Loops were in there too. But like, it wasn't like I didn't get the Cookie Crisps and uh, all the other little the Fruity Pebbles. Uh, yeah, Fruity Pebbles. I, and ha- I actually have those in my cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, so, <laughs> so like I mean, like, I think you know, especially with a kid that's being an athlete. I mean, like obviously, we don't need to be telling them to eat like a bodybuilder, but you know, they definitely need to be conscious of their body. You know, treat their treat their body like a Ferrari. That's always been a term. You know, you put good gas 
and a Ferrari, the right gas in the Ferrari. I should just say good gas. You put the right gas in the Ferrari, it's going to run well. You can't just put regular. Regular is good gas. When you look we at put low prices. grade. You put it on leaded on a, a Ferrari Spider. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to run well. No, it's not going to run well. It's going, wah, 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 wah. You have to, you have to feel your body. You have to, you have to, you know, you definitely have to be conscious of that. You got to feel your body. You know, I saw this, I saw this clip, um, uh, Santron, you might have seen it. I don't know. Um, uh, and I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm not a big follower of this person, mainly because of the crap that I think comes out of their mouths. Is uh, Cali Muscle, which falls in the same lines of like a lot of the other, you know, now are becoming YouTubers, which is so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the other big guys, and I don't know. They, I guess they, they ran into this guy that said. Oh, I'm on a zero carb diet. I'm a, I'm on the carnivore diet, and I'm sitting there going, "You, you're gonna die, <laughs> like <laughs> you're gonna die." And and they're, they're they're talking to this kid as if this is legitimate, and even with basic nutrition knowledge, I mean, you sit there and go, he goes, "Oh yeah, I don't I don't I don't take in any carbs. My body's just gotten so used to it because I've done it for so long." And I sit there and go. You are full of crap. There's no way. Like minimum brain function is 50 to 100 mm-hmm. grams. Minimum brain function just to get up and just be alive. I mean, and people that are like, oh, I'm on a low carb. I'm under 50 a day. And I sit there and go, okay. I mean, if you want to hate yourself all you want and you don't want to eat, fine, man. I'll take your pizza any day. <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, I think if, if you're doing a carb cycling, which, is, you know, I feel is a, a safer way. Um, obviously, like you said, you know, you got to eat carbs. Carbs are, you know, carbs are your best friend. Eat your carbs. Now, let's um, keep in mind, know. we're not talking like carbs you see on like a candy wrapper. Like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're talking yeah. grains. I mean, it's. I don't know. I, I just think because you you can do yeah because you can do uh, fruits you can do veggies you can do uh, grains you can do you know different type of stuff um, so that's why I was trying to help you out um, so people won't think that <laughs> but yeah um, you know definitely uh, there's definitely different things you can get from carbs but uh, you definitely have to watch your carbs um, you don't need to go over your means you need to figure out whatever your means are. Um, if you're going underneath your means, you're doing a caloric deficit, but you know, you make sure you're doing it the right way, not just under eating because you think that's what's going to happen. You, your body just goes in starvation mode and you're trying to figure out why you're not losing any weight because your body's like, well, I don't know when I'm going to get fed again, so I'm going to hold on to this. <laughs> or if you run by the premise that I do that brown food is good food and anything fried tastes great, then um, his whole plate is brown is you- what he's saying. It's all carbs, got, man. Carbs you got are just fried chicken, fried chicken tenders, French fries. What else you put on? <laughs> a little bit of onion rings. You put ketchup on there for ring. color. No, no, shut <laughs> up. No, no, no. It's a no. vegetable. I saw that on somebody's. Uh, somebody posted it. It was like, if I put ketchup on a plate, is that a vegetable? <laughs> <laughs> if it's all natural. Ugh. If there's no sugar, that's a possibility. Yeah, who's gonna eat that? I don't know. <laughs> Someone who doesn't love themselves? I don't know. You hey. lost me on this because I hate ketchup, so. <laughs> Dude, you're in Pit- you're near Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. That is, that's I, like yeah. sacrilegious where you're at. I know. Oh, I my know. God. You're, you need to walk in. Okay, this is what you need to do. You walk in and talk to that hockey staff. Are any of them from Pittsburgh? Yes. Okay, you walk in and you tell them exactly what you just said. And you see, probably watching it right now. I know. We look at yeah, that would be. They know I don't like ketchup. They know I don't like the Steelers. They know. I think the only I thought you were a Steelers fan. Yeah. Um. No, she's a Penguins fan because of Crosby. Oh, I was about to say. Okay, that's what it was. Not my Anthony. You know my favorite player, and it's not Sidney Crosby. Don't disrespect me. Okay, and just so everyone knows. When 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 we try to get Miss May on here, she goes. We we try to get her on a Sunday, and she goes, S- "Bro, girl, that is hockey night. That is not gonna happen." <laughs> and when when I tell you, me and Santuan just looked at each other and laughed, 
Like, I, <laughs> I sent it to him, and he just go like, it was just like a face palm. And Listen, I just went, wow, really? We have to work around hockey. That's yes. Different. Everybody though, in my life now has to has to work around hockey. But then, never, I mean, I mean, I get it because, you know, we changed the day because. The Super Bowl. So I get football. that. I was like, yeah. I'm like, so see, hey, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl is one game. Hockey has so many throughout the season. Don't even. That nobody um, watches. The season How much <laughs> this year. But listen, when I was nine. She's secretly I Canadian. Watching, I started watching hockey. And my senior year of Coastal, I told everybody I was going to work in hockey. And they thought I was absolutely nuts. And here we are. So you can make fun of me all you want for being a Penguins fan. I made it. I'm saying so I lived up there for five years. I know what it's like to hear nothing but Pittsburgh sports, and my my ears wanted to bleed. Why? Because you just mm, you you don't understand small town. When you get to a small town, and that's all people have to talk about, and that's what you hear at the gym every day. Oh man, that first shift sucked. They should have done this. They should have done this. I'm like, dude, you're an accountant in like this little podunk firm, and. Who are you coaching? You never even played a sport. See, and I love that. I eat that up. Uh, you don't know how great it is now that I'm at work and I can talk about the USHL teams. I oh, can well, talk see, about that's the different. NHL teams. That's different. <laughs> now, if I'm involved with it, yeah, I'm. I'll be all about it. I'll become a fan of whatever sport I work with. See, that's that that that's the cool thing. Like I had, I had a guy that played cricket. I trained one time, and. That was that's what actually got me interested in watching cricket. Was that with that one guy I started training? So what you're telling me is, is I need to call CCU's hockey team, refer them to Next Level Fit. That way, Santuan can train a hockey player as well. Oh wow! I'm glad that I, I, I you see that you see I get to got jumped. She gave me. She. she I just me. got jumped. How did I you. get jumped? And I gave <laughs> you the. Shut up, man. Man, you're the first. You're the first person we've had on here. I told to shut up. Wow. Gave me the alley you gave me that. All right. I know we're getting close to the end. So let's tie it up. Um, May, let's get some, you know, give give the people a couple things, some little action steps. You know, tell them if there's if there's any athletic trainers out there, what the process takes. And what do they uh, need to know going into it? Now that you've learned some things that you didn't know, what do they need to know? Pay attention in your basic anatomy classes for sure, because you're going to have them again about three more times and they're going to be just as hard every time. So study that every time. Um, really make sure that you like it uh, because it's a lot of freaking work if you don't like it. Um, and it will be a miserable job if you don't like it because you're there all the time and I never turn it off. I mean, I woke up at 4.30 this morning and talked about athletic training and what? It's like 9.30 now and I'm still talking about athletic training. So you never turn it off. So just make sure that you like it would probably be my, my biggest advice. Um, and then I guess just be confident, especially if you're a woman too, you have to be confident in your knowledge, your experience, um, and what you know, because it's really hard to translate that in the healthcare profession. Uh, you have to have that confidence for people to buy into what you're telling them. Um, whether you're talking to coaches, strength and conditioning staff or athletes, confidence. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as athletic training and strength and conditioning goes, I would just say the more that you guys can get involved with athletic trainers, uh, we're not, we're not stupid when it comes to strength and conditioning, but I think if you don't know, (laughs) if you don't know strength and conditioning firsthand, if you haven't worked in a gym, if you haven't, you know, done CPT stuff, became a certified personal trainer, anything like that. Uh, you don't know how you can apply what you do know as an athletic trainer to strength and conditioning. So I guess people just need to realize that athletic trainers have strong suits. You just have to kind of bring it out of them and learn how to apply it to strength and conditioning. So like get your athletic trainer involved with, Hey, you know, the kids said their, their hips are tight today. The kids said their upper body sore, lead them through stretches. Your athletic trainer knows how to do that. Um, that's a good way to kind of communicate together as a profession and kind of incorporate each other's strong suits to, to better benefit the athlete working together. Yeah. And it, and that's, uh, you know, I know a, a lot of some athlete trainers were like starting to get certifications and stuff like that. And I remember at first I was like, eh, I'm not all for that. Even like my brother's a physical therapist, which we're going to have him on later. He was talking about getting his CSCS and I just looked at him I'm like, 
stick in your field, stay out of mine. But I mean, but it does help. Uh, it does help a lot more when you have a physical therapist that's on the same page, when you have an athletic trainer that's on the same page, because a lot of times we do as strength coaches, we do get looked at as like, uh, you're doing wrong. No, 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 no. But when everybody all has the same understanding uh, of what we're trying to get done and which I know a lot of strength staffs are changing their name from strength condition to sports performance. Cause now as, as a whole, it all works together. Everything is sports performance. You're, you're working more on the injury prevention side, which we're still doing that as well too, but it's the strength conditioning part of the performance. So we yeah. all work together as one. And I will say, I want to get CSCS certified, but trust me, I don't want your job. <laughs> I have enough as it is. Like, that's a, that's another stigma that can go away. Like, Our job's easier. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't want to be the strength and conditioning coach. We're just simply doing that because it's still beneficial to us and it makes yeah. us better athletic trainers. It gives us better health care. Um, gives us better therapeutic exercise. But it steals our jobs. <laughs> because if they can get a two-on-one, we don't have well, a job. <laughs> I mean, maybe you should just consider becoming an athletic trainer. No. Nah, next level fit is I went my, down that path. Day. I went down that path of being an AT, and then I gave that up it's, real fast. It's so funny. A lot of us went down the path of trying to be an AT, and then we was like, nope, going in the weight room. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't blame you. It's a lot more fun lifting heavy things and putting them down. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, well, with, with that being said, uh, you know, just so everyone takes something away from this, um, ATs are now doctors. AT equals MD. Um, that's our biggest point we've learned tonight. Um, but, How about we just and, say ATs are healthcare? Does that work for you better? Yeah, they're MDs. healthcare. Yeah, they're MDs. first first responders. You. Yeah. Their first, first grade responders. responders. Okay. All right. Well, There's okay. That. ATs are now paramedics. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> just just go ahead and just piss everybody off at the same time. <laughs> there you go. Just cover it off. We're lawyers too because of the paperwork. <laughs> <Fire>. <laughs> Yo, you're an insurance insurance salesman. Um, but I, I I do have to give it to you because when I when I did my GA position for my graduate, I was actually uh, insurance coordinator. Or assistant insurance coordinator. So I did have to make those calls. I did have to talk to people. I did have to call the athletes. I mean, you know, go through all the steps, and that was a huge pain. I would never want to do that for a job. I mean, yeah, just us, just us writing out and making sure that people sign the membership and training agreements is enough. I'm fine. Yeah, like I'm fine with that. I don't, I don't need any more. I've got my insurance. We're all good. Like, you know, I'm not stupid. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> that kind of thing. I don't have to worry about anything else. But yeah, um, I do say thank you because, you know, we now have finally had a doctor on the podcast, um, doctor, firefighter, paramedic, um, AT now encompasses everything <laughs> life-saving. Um, CPT. She's, she's also doing a, a residency for surgery, um, at, uh, St. Jude's. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> you couldn't even uh, say UPMC, give a shout out to Pittsburgh. No. No, 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 I'm good. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I love Pittsburgh. Like they, they helped me like launch my career with coaching, Uh, especially Pit Elite, you know, go Pit Elite. Thank you. Love you guys. But um, yeah, UPMC, good for you. Um, I have no ties up north. (laughs) Yeah. And still out of this conversation. I've been to Stony Brook. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong side. Been there for football games. Yeah. (laughs) But thank you, because it's always nice to catch up, and um, she has been one of our big. I should I say our? I was I was only there, wasn't even my intern. But um, she's been like the one that we talk about a lot, and proud to know that you know. Yeah, yeah, we. I'm proud we, to see when when interns are doing great things, they're moved on. That's always yeah. a good feeling. Makes you feel. It means yeah. I helped out a little bit. I did a little something. <laughs> I, I did a thing. I, you know, I helped out a little bit. I don't like to claim, uh, take a lot of credit because obviously there was a whole staff, but uh, you know, yeah, you can take a lot of credit. Sam. <laughs> yeah. On that I mean, note, literally, oh. literally <laughs> on that note, I we're going to call it. So um, <laughs> next week we are actually taking off. It's Valentine's day. So we're going to, we're going to take our time um, with our sweethearts, with our sweethearts. Um, Can't relate. And then the fuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> trying to do an outro here. Jesus, I've been trying to do an outro for three minutes now. Uh, and actually, two weeks from now, we actually have San Antoine's brother, Brandon Stanley, um, the PT that we Doctor. don't... Doctor. Sorry, the DPT, Brandon Stanley, that we don't want within our field, so don't get your CSCS. Thank you. We love you, though. Um, we will still consult with you, uh, but that's about it. And uh, until 221, uh, peace out. And have fun watch the Super Bowl.